She used to be a politician. Now, she's keeping them honest. Danielle Smith on 770 CHQR. Brought to you by the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Wood Gundy. Somebody saying, Danielle, I like the information from your guest today. Fact-based and easy to understand, free from free of your political ramblings. You know, some people tune in for my political ramblings. Sheesh. We're going to go on to our next topic. We've had Brian Giesbrecht on before, actually. He is a retired Manitoba provincial court judge, senior fellow at the Frontier Center for Public Policy. And he, from time to time, authors some uh, some articles in the C2C Journal. I should probably um, let you know if you're looking that up, because I do quote from there quite a bit and have guests on there quite a bit. It's the letter C, the number two, and the letter C journal. And so they uh, they do always have really interesting articles. And uh, this next one is no different. It's the, the United States and Provinces of Red North America. What is that all about? Well, what's in the color? Quite a lot. If we're talking about politics, societal conflict, and what the future might bring, reds and blues on both sides of the border are locked in an increasingly stubborn, bitter, and already at times violent struggle over the respective country's character, future, and very existence. How much worse might it get? Might there be a simple solution that could forestall the slide, one that few have thought of and that none has dared mention in our country? Uh, Brian Giesbrecht thinks he has one, in, and in this uh, essay lays out the case. He joins us now to talk about his proposal. Brian, thanks so much for being with us today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. I sometimes feel like Canadians think they're Americans. I try to resist r- commenting too much on American politics. I do from time to time, but I do I do feel like we sometimes seem to follow more of what's going on in America, especially when they're in great conflict than we follow in our, our own country. Do you, do you have the same perception? Uh, yeah, yeah. We have, <laughs> I guess we have, a, what would you call it, a love-hate relationship with, uh, uh, with Americans. There's so much to admire, but there's so much to, uh, uh, to criticize. And what do you think the obsession is with America? Like, I guess I grew up learning about Manifest Destiny, and it's almost like we are expecting that the Americans are going to want to take us over at every moment, so we got to be on guard <laughs> just in case it actually happens. Or I, I don't know if there is another relationship in the world where people care more about an external country's politics than they do their own. Well, I think it's because, and I am a small C conservative. You'll you'll uh, you'll uh, find that out when I talk. But I uh, uh, happen to think that America is uh, um, uh, of incredible importance, and the continued, uh, you know, the, the, the continuation of uh, of the American experiment is of incredible importance. And you can see how how, how important Canadians think it is. Uh, uh, something like ninety uh, percent of us live within a few miles of the uh, the American border. We we absolutely cling to it. So I think the United States is very important in the world, not just as our major trading partner, but because uh, uh, the uh, American uh, democratic ideal uh, has uh, inspired the whole world. Now it's in trouble, but uh, uh, I, I I do believe the United States experiment is is incredibly important. Do you think Canada's in trouble? I think Canada is in trouble. I think the United States is in trouble. I think what we're seeing, at least uh, from my um, uh, viewpoint, is that uh, 
we conservatives, we small C conservatives, haven't changed all that much. But what we used to call, uh, say, liberals, um, have um, become progressives. And the progressive agenda has expanded enormously. And I, I think we're seeing it um, playing out south of the border. But I also see, I think we're seeing it here in Canada. Uh, Justin Trudeau was certainly a disciple of Obama with his progressive agenda. But now we have uh, the new green and equitable uh, pandemic recovery plan coming at us uh, in September. And I believe we're going to see something that many Canadians are going to have a great deal of trouble living with. I think you're right. Talk, talk to me about that term progressive, because whenever I use it to describe... I use it to describe the extreme left. I think there are centrist lefts. Um, I think that there are liberals who can sometimes cross and be blue liberals, so they can be also quite centrist. But I, I'm looking at progressives increasingly as almost being synonymous with Marxists. It's like they want to tear down capitalism, tear down all of the structure of our of our society, which doesn't sound very progressive to me, but that's, again, maybe part of the Orwellian uh, drama we find ourselves in right now. We're using the wrong words to describe the events that are occurring but but is is my impression of what uh, what progressive is the same as yours yeah yes i agree with you you entirely and you know just to take a couple of examples of what uh, uh progressive seems to mean and how the progressives are attempting to literally force everyone to accept their views uh, take the example of uh uh, either systemic uh, racism or or climate change on systemic racism um, we've seen uh, a prime minister who won't even tolerate um, his own RCMP commissioner uh, questioning this whole notion of systemic racism. In other words, you have to accept it, and she did. And we saw what happened to Rex Murphy, how he was uh, um, uh, set upon by even by his own, uh, you know, National Post. Uh, uh, colleagues just for saying that no, Canada is not a racist nation. It's not a systemically racist nation. But that's one of the one of the um, uh, um, almost religious doctrines uh, of the progressives. And 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 I don't mind them having that opinion. That's just fine. Except it appears that they want to force those concepts on on uh, on everybody. And I think we'll see it with the the green recovery plan because it's going to basically be um, completely anti-oil and gas and it may even, I don't know if it's going to further delay or kill the pipeline or any future pipeline, but I, I'm just guessing that Westerners are not going to be happy with what we hear in September. Well, I keep on telling my audience to be aware of the buzzwords, build back better, because that seems to be the common phrase that is being used by all of those who want to eliminate any support for fossil fuels and turn into and and focus on a green rebuild or a green restart to the to the economy. Have you have you been have you been tracking that language as well? Oh yes, absolutely, and it and it all falls in line with the old. Uh, uh, Rahm Emanuel, uh, never let a crisis go to waste. Uh, the the um, uh, the idea that uh, this pandemic can provide um, opportunities, and put it that way, I think is is, is on a lot of minds. And I think that uh, uh, the plan will be to move even further leftward um, and. Uh, uh, further into the progressive doctrine. I think that is the agenda of many places, and I think we see that with our own government, and I think we see it playing out uh, with the Democrats down south. 
Okay, so it seems like the Americans have gotten to a point where you have um, an unbridgeable divide. I mean, I'm people are concerned that uh, Donald Trump won't accept the outcome of this upcoming election, but I'm concerned that the Democrats never accepted the outcome of the last election. It's like they've been constantly trying to to, to do a do-over of, of what happened four years ago. And so what is that? I'm, I'm just wondering how you think that, that plays out now. I, I just... Beginning to to think, no matter who wins the White House, I don't I don't know if America can go forward unified. Is there is there any danger that America could split? I I uh, I believe uh, that there there certainly is, and we are already seeing uh, people moving from one part of the uh, United States to another. We're seeing what's happening in in uh, in California with their extreme. Um, policies there, whether even closing down natural gas uh, electric plants in favor of solar panels, which aren't working. We're seeing companies moving from there, uh, and we're seeing the American um, Democrat-controlled cities uh, in huge trouble with people actually moving to states where they can, they believe that they can uh, uh, have a better chance of, of uh uh, uh, living with like-minded people, if you so, I, I think that uh, I mean we have no idea what's going to play out with the American election, but if we have a very close result either way, I think we could see some uh, some very big problems, especially if uh, with all the mail-in ballots, uh, the result mm-hmm. is not even going to be clear uh, the day after the election, or even the week, okay. or perhaps the month after the election. So ideas matter, and you you quote a couple of um, of, of thought leaders in your article, Professor Francis Buckley, discussing um, his recent book, American Secession, The Looming Threat of a National Breakup, and conservative commentator Ben Shapiro um, with his new book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. So when you put these ideas on the table, they they end up getting some currency. Tell us what your takeaway was from from those two books. Well, um uh, the Buckley book is definitely worth reading. Um, uh, the Shapiro book, I would say, is a, is a must for anyone with interested in, in American politics. And anything we get, I think, south of the border, we eventually get uh, up here. And uh, Shapiro talks about disintegrationists. That's what he calls people who uh, basically uh, hate America and 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 believe it has to be totally rebuilt according to their plan and the unionists people who I would describe as as conservatives who basically are quite happy with their country realizing that there are many problems with it and he sets forth the uh, uh, the, the real dilemma and said, and asked the very important question if if people uh, in one country don't share the same vision can't even agree on the basics uh, how can that country survive and I think he's right and I think we have we should think about that in Canada as well because we already have some people who are very unhappy with uh, uh, with the, the uh, uh, arrangements we now have in this country and wonder if it, if it's even possible to have a party representing their uh, their views uh, um, governed on a national scale so okay, Shapiro's book is fascinating. Well, let me let me pause you because I want to talk a little bit more about about that disintegrationist is sort of an interesting term because not only does it talk about 
ending the integration, but it also talks about disintegrating, which is, I think, what we're what we're wondering: are, are either of our nations going to be stable after the upcoming elections? Brian Giesbrecht is a retired Manitoba provincial court judge, senior fellow with the Frontier Center for Public Policy, and we're talking about his uh, latest article in the C2C Journal. We'll continue doing that when we return on 770 CHQR. Shaw Business presents Small Business Success Stories, an inspiring look at how some small business owners have successfully adapted to life during the pandemic. This week, we meet Joseph Shaben, owner of Winnipeg's first super premium ice cream shop, Shaben Ice Cream. We had no money because we were shut down and we were like, how are we gonna pay for this? So we hired a programmer. We were able to hire back our staff. The new service allows customers, like Patty, to choose their flavor each month and schedule their ideal delivery time slot. It's neat to be able to go online and have the kids select which flavors they want. First day, we got 200 subscribers. And then every day, we started getting 100 more and 100 more and 100 more. I was like, this is amazing. Winnipeg got behind us. Now our business survived. And we're truly grateful. Catch the full interview online at globalnews.ca slash Shaw Business. Small business success stories presented by Shaw Business. All right, guys. Now is where it gets serious. Listen to this. All nation states so far at least have proven to be temporary creations that work only as long as citizens continue to believe in them. There's probably a point at which progressivism and socialism have gone so far that conservative pro-free enterprise thinkers in Canada and the United States no longer feel welcome in their own countries. That would be the time to consider forming nations of people who share a vision, a peaceful movement of like-minded people from one area to another, such as what my guest has already talked about, such as the movement already taking place on a quiet individual level between California or Alberta and Texas, is not inconceivable. But could these new borders essentially form new countries, potentially. Brian Giesbrecht is a retired Manitoba provincial court judge, senior fellow with the uh, Frontier Center for Public Policy. And I was just reading from his column in the C2C Journal. So so map this out for us, because you've got the, the name, you've got two names for what these two different congregations of United States might look like. So, so tell us, how do you envision, if there is going to be a coalescence of like minds around a common vision, it wouldn't be Canada and the U.S. being separate. It would be conservatives in Canada and the U.S. uniting and then progressives in the U.S. and Canada uniting. So what would that look like? Well, it would, uh, would look uh, sort of like the uh, American uh, red and blue uh, map uh, in, in the United States. You, the, the red states uh, would um, uh, hook up with, I guess, what I could call the red states in, in, in Canada, namely the uh, the, the western provinces. That's why it gets confusing, because red in Canada is denotes the left, whereas blue in Canada denotes conservatives, and so it's sort of red. In, the, the reds are the Republicans in the U.S., so I get, I get what you're saying. So it's, it's more yeah, the conservative-minded provinces in Canada. Yeah, it's an unfortunate choice of colors, but, but, but we're sort of stuck with it. So the odd thing is that the red states are the least... Um, um, uh, red, the least socialistic, but uh, basically the the um, um, the conservative uh, voting states, and that I would put as uh, uh, the middle American states, and 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 uh, you know Texas being one, and um, 
uh, as opposed to the, the, the blue states such as California and uh, uh, you know New York, the eastern seaboard uh, states. Um, it, it, the red states in the United States would combine with places like Alberta, Saskatchewan, and, and, and probably Manitoba, um, very possibly parts of, uh, of, uh, of Ontario and uh, even um, uh, parts of mainland BC. But uh, the blue um, um, places like Toronto and you know, most, of, uh, uh, most of Quebec, probably maybe not all of it, uh, would uh, uh, and Vancouver uh, certainly would be in in the in the blue area. So I realize that uh, that there would be tremendous complications, and I'm not certainly advocating the breakup of countries. I'm just sort of putting forth an intellectual exercise to sort of uh, have us have us thinking about this. But in a way, this is already happening. As I mentioned, people are in fact moving from. Uh, California to Texas. I use the example of, of uh, uh, Alberta to Texas as well, with and, Can and Canada's move and many other uh, resource companies and very some very good minds now are are going down to the United States and sending their children to uh, universities there. So I mean, this this type of thing uh, is is already uh, is already happening, and I'm worried that it's going to really accelerate if. Uh, the current federal government goes even further to the left, and I think they've given them very big signal that, that, that that's exactly what they're going to do. Sort of interesting. You've almost defined kind of three nations, because I think the culture on the West Coast is very different than the culture on the East Coast. So you can almost, if I'm looking at this map of Canada and the United States, you can almost imagine a strip going down the West Coast uh, being aligned on common interests, this chunk in the middle, and where we get access to shoreline would be up in northern Canada, as well as in uh, the Gulf of Mexico through Texas. And then you'd have the, the East Coast, essentially, I guess that would be including uh, Quebec, almost be their, their own nation state. But maybe the culture is too different um, for that to work. I just, I'm, try, I'm trying to imagine if the, if the factors would, of what you're proposing, if, if it would be practical to do or if it's just a thought exercise. Because I, I, I don't dispute that that's where the common interests lie, but I wonder if it could actually unfold that way. Well, I, w I would argue that that uh, even though, say, Vancouver and Toronto and uh, uh, and New York uh, and Los Angeles are all uh, different, very different cities, and they have very different cultures, the co there is a common uh, progressive thinking uh, among the majority. So, for instance, just as an example, if if, uh, if if Justin Trudeau said, you know, we've got to end the fossil fuel industry. Um, to much of uh, um, Toronto and much of Los Angeles, uh, that would make perfect sense. But if you, if he, uh, that wouldn't play at all in Calgary or or Dallas, uh, uh, for instance. In other words, there is sort of a common uh, progressive thought in in the the blue areas, and there is a common conservative thought in the red areas. Not that everybody thinks the same way, right? But I, I, I do believe that that uh, that uh, the, it, it, this type of thing really does break down along uh, regional lines. So I agree with right. you. And, that and Brian Giesberg, I think I think you're absolutely right. Sort of a nice way of getting into our next topic because we're going to be talking to our friend Scott Johnson in Hamilton about whether this divide between east and west can be bridged. And Brian Giesberg has just given us an example of what happens if we can't. You can read his article in the C2C Journal. Let's take a pause. We'll be back after news on 770 CHQR.